From the untamed wilderness to the freshwater shores of the greatest lakes, Michigan's Upper Peninsula is an outdoor lover's paradise and the country's best kept secret. My name is Kristen Ogenimi, a lifelong youper and the newest host of the iconic UP Outdoors television program, Discovering, and it's my honor to carry on the tradition of the best outdoor storytellers of this region. So sit back, listen, and discover what it's like to live and play in this amazing place we call the UP. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Big Valley Ford, Dodge Chrysler Jeep in Ewan, Michigan, Bam Tools, Hardcore Outfitters of Iron Mountain, and Cooking Wild Seasonings. If you're listening, this is my first Discover the UP podcast. My name is Kristen Ogenimi, and I am a documentary filmmaker and the newest producer and host of the Upper Peninsula Outdoors television program, Discovering. This is my New Year 2024 goal to start this podcast. I have so many stories where all that viewers see or hear is just a small part, and I get some great interviews from interesting people and experts, and I hate that all that knowledge and content just sits in a hard drive on my desk and collects dust. So with this podcast, I hope to share some of the additional stories and insight and information that I hear from my adventures around the UP, meeting and talking to people. Sometimes this podcast will be a conversation between me and another person about some outdoors or UP-related topic. Sometimes, like in this very first episode, it will be the full interview I did for the Discovering program. So if you're unfamiliar with the Discovering program, it's an outdoor show based in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's a lot of hunting and fishing and also wildlife and conservation, exploration, and recreation in the outdoors. The majority of the stories have an outdoors theme, but on occasion, shows might be about UP history, cool things only found or made in the UP, like pasties, or just really fascinating youpers. And those are UP residents, in case you don't know that. I'll talk more about the TV show in a future podcast, because we need to dive into today's story, which is an interview I did last week with Robert Boudry, who was one of three winners of a pure Michigan hunt. He told stories for almost an hour, and I had to cut that down to 18 minutes for the TV program. So here, I am excited to share the full interview. To preface, the Pure Michigan Hunt is an annual drawing with three winners drawn to win a year's worth of licenses for everything you can hunt in Michigan. Elk, bear, spring and fall turkey, antlerless deer, and the first pick at a managed waterfall hunt area in the Lower Peninsula. And winners get a prize pack full of a bunch of gear too. It costs $5 per entry and each $5 Pure Michigan Hunt application helps fund Michigan's wildlife, habitat, restoration, and management, according to the DNR website. The Pure Michigan Hunt was started back in 2010 and 2023 was the very first year that a youper was drawn. Yay! And you couldn't ask for a better recipient of the Pure Michigan Hunt. Bob's gratitude for winning, his motivation and eagerness to experience it all and fill every single one of his tags, and his generosity. We had to interrupt the interview so that he could give a gentleman who stopped by from the VA some brats and snack sticks. Also, Bob is just a very kind and down-to-earth guy, and bonus, he is a veteran. 
So let's sit back and listen to Bob regale us with stories of his Pure Michigan hunting adventures. My name is uh, Robert E. Boudry Jr. I was born and raised in uh, Gladstone, Michigan. Uh, right out of high school, I went into service. Uh, four years, I worked on an aircraft carrier, got out, went to college. Uh, during college, UPS asked me to work for them. So I got my degree, went into work for UPS, and then got my second degree. So I got promoted to part-time supervision. Then I went into full-time supervision. Worked uh, 32 years, retired. Retired from the military as a sergeant first class and retired from UPS. Now I'm a grand grandparent. I got five uh, beautiful kids that I uh, do a lot of things with, and now I'm able to hunt more. So being retired, you think you got a lot of time, you don't always have all that time. But I enjoy what I do. I'm happily retired. Um, with this coming out, I was going through some hard times. My mother passed. She passed in um, November, and I forgot all about this Pure Michigan hunt. My son-in-law, Michael Olson, is the one that coaxed me into buying a first ticket. And to keep them quiet, I thought, I'll buy the one ticket, whatever. And I never thought about it. And then uh, I knew sometime in January they're going to draw the names. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting there going, how nice would that be to win it? And on the 20th of January, I get a phone call. It was on my Apple Watch. And I was going to the bathroom, so my wife answered. And she goes, they're asking for Robert. And I saw it was from Lansing. I thought, Lansing? I don't know anybody in Lansing. So I answered it, and uh, Eric Hillard from the uh, DNR office, he's the media specialist, asked me who I was. And I thought, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Maybe I'm feeding a deer, and I shouldn't be feeding a deer. And he goes, are you Robert E. Boudry? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, well, congratulations, you're one of three winners. And the first thought was, who put Michael Olson up to pulling a prank? I never win anything. I never win anything big. And then I started listening, and I'm like, oh, God, he's telling a lot of things that Michael don't know. So I believed him, and I went and checked on the posted site, and my name was on there, Robert E. 82, and I'm like, that's me. So then I called up my son-in-law, Michael, and I goes, Mike, you're not going to believe what I just won. And he thought, a car, a truck. I said, no, I won the Pier Michigan hunt. He goes, no blanking way. And I goes, yes, I did. So he was checking on me, and then he goes, what are you going to do? I said, well, you got to fill all the tags. And I says, okay, let's do it together. So we worked out a plan how we're going to do this. Well, then everybody knew that I was going to win, or I won. And uh, we got the call to go down on the 13th of April to pick up all the prizes. And the prizes, I mean, I was shocked. A shotgun, uh, backpacks for turkey, backpacks for elk, gift cards, framed duck photos, memberships, I had a ton of things. And uh, we went down and they took pictures, introduced us, and I took Mike with me. And uh, I took Mike on... The only other hunt I could take him on was the duck hunt. I took him and his uh, best friend, who are duck hunters. And then on the elk hunt, he could hunt the first two times. But uh, it was rewarding to know that I was the first one in the UP to win this. 
in the last 14 years. So I had a lot riding on my shoulders. I was like, okay, don't mess this up. You're representing the UP. Do it and get it done right. And I filled all my tags, and I got some nice trophies. Yes, um, I won the golden ticket. One ticket out of 77,000. And I was shocked. I was like, what are the odds of ever winning something like that with only one ticket? Uh, when I went down for orientation for the elk hunt, there were people that have applied for over 20 years and bought multiple tickets and finally got a tag to go hunt elk. Here, I applied one time out of 77,000, and I got the whole thing. I got the bear hunt, the elk, the duck uh, water reserve, uh, waterfall reservation, first choice, uh, turkey spring, turkey fall, and an antlerless deer tag, and I filled them all. It wasn't easy. It was hard, but I had a lot of help. Uh, Joe Botese from Hardcore Scripture Outdoors worked very hard to get me into these hunts. And son-in-law helped me with the duck hunt, and it was a team effort, and I'm glad I was part of it. First hunt was a uh, spring turkey hunt. I've never hunted turkey in my life, and I was up against the odds. I thought I could do it by myself. <laughs> I didn't realize turkeys in the spring are in their mating season. The toms are chasing the hens, and you got to know where they're at. And I hunt on public land, so... It wasn't easy, I did a lot of road hunting and then Joe helped me. He goes, I've seen him over here, seen some toms here and there. And I got lucky, I shot my first one on May 25th, chasing a hen and he went down into some lower shrubs. <laughs> when he bent down, I thought he was gonna run. So I shot and I got him, but I blew his beard off. So I had to glue the beard back together because I shot, thought I shot a hen. But I got them, and uh, I was happy. Took some pictures and told the story how long it took. And but the first time I went out, I went out on on a friend's land. Tom Strand from uh, uh, Crystal Falls let me hunt up there, and I set up some decoys. And I did the clucking the first time, and I had a hen come up. So I thought, okay, I can't shoot a hen. Can't shoot hens in the spring hunt. So I figured, okay, I went from shooting to observing. And what I saw was unbelievable. She came over there, fluffed with her feathers, started grinding on, on this Jake decoy. And after about 10, 15 seconds, she knew what it was. She just stuck her head up and waddled away. But I thought that was like dirty dancing in the wild. I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I got up, you know, I got done for the day. And then I thought, there's only one hen that showed up. That means there's not many turkeys around. So I went road hunting until I finally got my spring one. But it was, it was an eye-opener for me to see how they react, how you hunt them. It's totally different than any other time of the year. Hunt number two, um, that would have been uh, my uh, bear hunt. I've never hunted bear uh, Joe Botese called me up and sent me a text. It would be an honor. You're a veteran. You know, I, I worked for you to have you hunt on my property or hunt with me. And I agreed to it. He guaranteed me a bear. And I said, how can you not take that? He guaranteed me a bear. And uh, so I went out. I 
practice shooting and I wanted to know where do you shoot a bear because they're so big and chunky that front shoulder, chest, what's the vitals that you want to hit? So I was practicing and I told Joe I can shoot 50 yards right on target. The first day was kind of tricky for me because the first day I went up there on my own in the dark because Joe had another hunter. He does children as well as veterans. So I went out there in the dark, kind of reminded of operations in Iraq. You're going out in the dark, that's how you hunt. Mm -hmm. So I went out there, I found a bait pile, found the tree stand, took my four-wheeler, put it to the side, sat up in the tree, it was really hot, so the bugs were there, so I put a bug net on me. And I'm thinking to myself, which direction are they coming from? I don't know. How do you know which size they are? I don't know. Next thing I know, it started downpouring. The opening day was a downpour of rain. Got hot, put my rain suit on, took it off. Then the winds picked up in the afternoon. But I sat there for 13 hours wondering what can I do. I can't hunt when this tree stand was swaying. It felt like a foot, but it was probably more of an inch maybe. And I was like, I text Joe. I said, Joe, I can't sit up here any longer. I've been here 13 hours. You got to stay till dark. I said, Joe, I'd like to, but conditions, nothing's moving. So I got out of the tree, went back home, and I told him, next day, I'll go hunting. What, what time you want me? He says, leave at about 2.30. So I left at 2.30, picked up some more bait, got up to my uh, tree stand uh, in the daylight, baited, put some uh, peanut butter on the trees, a special little fragrance out there, and some more food. Two hours sitting up there, I was hard. I mean, but after sitting 13 hours, I was kind of hurting. And I was just getting ready to sit up at about 6.05 when the first bear showed up. And I was like, whoa. Got back down, got ready, then another bear, and then another bear. And I'm thinking, which one do I shoot? So I took a picture, I sent it to Joe because his camera wasn't working. So I sent it out of mine, no answer. <clears throat> so then all of a sudden, from the south, two more bears came in that chased out the three that were already in there. They went back north. One was really dark in the face and had like devil eyes, they were red. And I said, oh, I want that one. And it was really wide in the back. So I thought, okay, that's a shooter. Getting ready to shoot, Joe texts me back, shoot the biggest. <laughs> so here comes one from the east, chasing out them two. Got onto the bait pile and I'm looking, okay, that's a big one. I'm gonna take that one. So my gun was ready. I waited till the right moment. And when that bear turned its head a little bit, I got a clean shot to the chest and I placed my round where I was supposed to, dropped it right on the pile and the head just rolled. It was dead on the pile. And I called Joe and I said, hey, I just shot one. And he goes, okay, I'm sending up uh, Noah and Cody to help you. He goes, don't get out of the tree. Which way did it run? I said, it's not running anywhere. Well, wait 15 minutes to make sure it's down. I said, okay. So I waited 15 minutes. Then I got down and I was just kind of shaking. You know, first bear I've ever shot. I go up to it. It looked decent size. And then I didn't tag it or nothing until them guys came. I went and got my sled. They came in. They helped me tag it, uh, process it, put it in my sled, and follow me out. But what, what a reward. 
I mean, it was 218 pounds. It was a female. There was no cubs around. And um, the average in the UP, I believe, was only 137 to 140 pounds. So I got above average bear, my first one, and I was just, I was in heaven. I was smiling, shaking a little bit, you know, shooting my first bear, but I was happy. And then Joe, I took it to Joe's, he skinned it, uh, quartered it. Um, he did a uh, Ural uh, mount on it, and he's gonna take the front uh, paws and make a gun rack and uh, make pillows out of the hide. So I was really impressed. My first bear, my first Michigan UP bear, I was happy. What did you shoot it with? My 308 Remington. I got a sling on it that says uh, bone collector on it. So far I've shot an elk, a bear, mule deer, and whitetail with it. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Cooking Wild Seasonings. Cooking Wild Seasonings, flavor and meat. Just mix, heat, and eat. That simple, you bet. Now even easier with our new grab-and-go four-pack cartons. Four combinations to choose from. Whitetail Hunter, Deer Camp, Summer Sausage, and Fresh Sausage. Make it fresh, make it yours. Make it easy. Grab a four-pack today. Available at various locations, including all Chris Northwood's neighborhood store locations. Find out more about Cooking Well Seasonings at cookingwellseasonings.com. Oh, the next one was a, uh, was a nice one. It was a duck hunt. And we went down to uh, Nayaqueen, I think, Point, which is down by Pincoming, Michigan, right off Saginaw Bay. And uh, we were trying to figure out who duck hunts because neither me or Mike duck hunt. So we're rookies. And um, he said, well, let me ask uh, Kurt Bjorkman. And Kurt said, I'm in. All you got to bring is camouflage and your gun. <laughs> I'm going, wow, okay, we don't have decoys. They're not a caller. All right. So we wanted to know which area they wanted to pick because you could go to anywhere in the state of Michigan and you get first choice on opening day. Opening day was October 7th downstate. So he picked that location. Uh, we picked unit 26. That is a fully enclosed uh, unit that you can hunt. You can fit five people in there, but you only authorize the hunter plus three friends. So you get four people. And Kurt had a dog named Murphy, which was a retriever. Very nice dog. So we traveled down and went down and... Um, Opening day, we get out there, we had to listen to the briefing on the radio and the draw. Well, I already had my draw, so I just had to listen to the safety briefing. So we're all camouflaged up, we're out there bright and early, like quarter to five in the morning. <laughs> and uh, we had the tra trailer with the uh, canoe for me and Cecil. Cecil is um, Kurtz Bjorkman's father-in-law. And I'm Michael's father-in-law. So we had two father-in-laws and two son-in-laws. And we went to launch the uh, canoe. And he started up the motor. We got going a little bit, and then it stopped. We went to start it again. Something fell off. So now we had a canoe in. And Cecil's 75 years old, so I paddled in, got to the location. Mike and, um, and Kurt came out to help us. And then I walked the rest of the way, about three blocks. That mud was so thick and I got chest waders on and I was like, maybe I should have stayed in the canoe. <laughs> but we made it, we set up and then we waited for uh, daybreak so we could start shooting. And once one person shot, 
it was like everybody started shooting. And for me, I was like, wow. And I couldn't judge the distance right away. I can shoot, but I couldn't judge the distance. I was shooting at ducks that were too far away. And um, Cecil would always call me lucky because I won the ticket. Well, then after he seen me shoot, he goes, don't worry, Bob will shoot. We called him Trigger. <laughs> and then I, I got the first four ducks, and then the boys started going. Cecil would just call. We ended up with 14 ducks for the, for the day, and we had some memorable moments. Uh, you could talk, mingle, and that was fun. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'm standing up on my side. I was on the left side of the uh, blind, and I see the seagull coming close. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. Kurt and Mike were kind of talking and then weren't paying attention. Well, then Kurt yells out, take them. And Mike grabbed his shotgun and was getting ready to shoot and realized it was a seagull. And all of a sudden he drops back down and Cecil comes up and goes, you know, that would have been embarrassing to shoot a seagull. Plus it would cost you 25 bucks and everybody around us would know you shot a seagull. And I'm going, wow. And then we had another one too where, where um, six, six ducks come right in right in the kill zone, right with all the decoys out there. And I was standing up looking to the north, and all of a sudden Cecil looked at it and said, take them. Well, you're only allowed three shots per person in your in your gun. Mike and uh, Kurt started shooting, and I got one round off. And out of them six ducks that were in the kill zone, they all flew away. We didn't get a single one. Of course, Cecil goes, you use are the most pathetic duck hunters I've ever seen. <laughs> and I agreed with them. I said, well, there's two rookies here. I said, well. <laughs> and then uh, a few, probably about a half hour later, a duck was swimming with our decoys. And I saw it and I was getting ready to shoot. Kurt goes, I got it. So I held off. I watched the shot. Kurt shot dead right on that duck. And it, the blast went all the way around the duck and the duck flew away. So we had a little joke, talk about a sitting duck for the rest of the day while we were waiting. And then once, once we were done, like I said, we had 14 ducks. We had a blast, we had good camaraderie, good conversations, and we got the duck hunt. I, I would do it again. My first duck hunt, to get 14 and uh, first time out there on opening day, I was happy. So that was a guided trip then? You know, like a guide? Or is that part of the Pure Michigan Hunt, like, set up to go with this person? Pure Michigan Hunt, and it was just set up. We didn't have a guide, but we had experienced duck hunters with us. So they knew which ducks you can shoot, which ones you can't. And uh, they had the decoys. And, of course, they're duck callers, too. I tried calling. My name changed from Lucky, Trigger. When I started trying to uh, call in a duck, he goes, you're not a you're not a caller, you're a blower. So I went to blower after that. <laughs> but I had fun. I liked uh I liked the camaraderie. It was good teamwork. What kind of ducks were coming in there We had uh pintails, mallards, um blue wing, green wing, and there was another one. I can't remember what that was. But we had a variety of them. We were trying to study up before we went duck hunting, and there were so many ducks that I'm like, most of them are usually mallards around this around that time of the year. 
it's um it's on a uh, waterfall uh, reserve, so you get first choice of opening day, where you want to hunt, which place in Michigan. There's like five or six, but you have to buy a federal duck stamp because there's migrating birds. Once you get that, you pick which one you want, and then that's yours for the opening day of the hunt. Mm, and open because I mean you can duck hunt anywhere, so I was wondering about that. How yep. that yeah, and that was nice. And then um, we put in for the second day, <laughs> and my name was drawn. <laughs> Once again, I'm lucky again. And um, we drew, so then you go in a pool, and we were drawn, I believe it was like 25th. Most of your good locations are, are picked over. There's only uh, usually uh, ground location or ground blinds. And Cecil didn't have any ground decoys, so he told me to decline. Me and Mike, we would have went, but we didn't have any duck, uh, duck decoys. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by BAM Tools. My friend Andrew wants to help support this podcast, but didn't know how he should advertise his business, so here goes. BAM Tools is a small, family-owned, and operated business out of Ewan, Michigan, but they cover the entire UP, delivering tools to all sorts of businesses. Inside the tool truck are hand tools, power tools, automotive shop supplies, and so much more. I should tell Andrew I need a new Grizzly cooler, preferably blue. BAM Tools is also a tech tire supplies distributor, and Travis is the guy behind the wheel of that truck. So if you see Andrew or Travis in a BAM Tools truck, tell them thanks for supporting this podcast. After duck hunting, then we went uh, turkey hunting fall turkey. And this time, um, Joe Botese was setting me up with different locations where he's spotted Tom's, where he spotted Tom. Where he, um, he set me up on a few spots and uh, I had hens coming in, no Tom's. And finally on the um, 24th of October, he took me up to Silver Lake by Channing. And there was a uh, place where he had a ground blind and a tree, tree stand. Uh, tree stand was for bear hunters, and then he started uh, turkey hunting. And he goes, I got a huge one there. It's at least a 10-inch beard. It's dragging a bunch of hens with it. And he goes, we got to go out. We got to leave by 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay. So we did. We uh, drove uh, my vehicle. I picked them up, went out to the site, had a 450-yard walk-in, <laughs> which was kind of clumsy when you're going through all kinds of brush by a lake. But we got to the site. We got settled in. Um, we were just talking, Joe was on my, sitting in the two-man uh, ground blind. Joe was on the left, I was on the right. So I had a good shot, about a 40-yard shot to the uh, bait pile. And it wasn't until about 9.30 that the tom and the hens came in. And it was like the hens were shielding the toms. There was two toms, a, a short-bearded one and the long-bearded. And they were shielding them like they knew they had to protect them. And I just sat there, Joe goes, get your gun up to your shoulder. You know, when opportunity knocks, you got to take the shot. So, okay. I got my three inch uh, Prairie Storm round lead. And then uh, I'm shooting about 40 yards with a full choke. And I said, I'll, I'll hit my target. So all of a sudden, after about 10 minutes, my arm was getting tired. So Joe sitting there holding up my barrel so I could shoot quick when needed. And after about 15 minutes, finally the Tom 
the one we were looking at, kind of stood up on the log and stretched his neck out. And as soon as it did, I took the shot. Bang, down it went, the others flew away. That's the only thing I hit was him. I, I did a headshot. Waited a few minutes, went over there, and Joe goes, wow, he's bigger than I thought. He had a 10 and 5 eighths inch beard, and he weighed 20.5 pounds. So it was a nice bird. Uh, then we took some pictures. I put him on my back, and I didn't realize how heavy that is when you're walking home with a shotgun. But uh, Joe congratulated me. He said, nice shot. He goes, I didn't believe you could just hit that. I thought you'd hit something the other turkeys. I said, no. I said, I know what I'm shooting at. And uh, later on that day, I took him back, and I put together um, my turkey plaque where it had the spring and the fall, and then the fan feathers. Fan feathers on the uh, fall turkey as uh, molting, where they get deformed and they start shedding them. So the fan was not good, so I couldn't use that one. Yeah, white-tailed deer, I got a antlerless uh, deer tag, any unit uh, that you can hunt. And I tried doing with my uh, crossbow and a tree stand, and the wind was swirling around, so I had no luck. So late in the season, it was um, in November, the end of November, I uh, went to a ground blind, set a ground blind up, put some bait out, and I had deer coming in. The next day, I went out uh, bright and early in the morning, just before daybreak, sat, see nothing, <laughs> came back in, went out at about 1.30, Sat till about 2.30 and a nice sized doe came in. So when the doe came in, I had my rifle with me because it was rifle season. I shot at about 55 yards, dropped it right there. Um, had it weighed, it weighed 150 pounds. And when I took it into the DNR to see how old it was, it was uh, roughly five years old. Um, not really big on shooting does, but I had to fill that tag. I did give the deer to a friend of mine, a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he took it and he appreciated it. And uh, I was happy to fill that tag because I was seeing a few bucks, but I wasn't seeing any does. <laughs> but it was fun. I, I hunted probably about 10 days, 10 different days. And either I couldn't get a shot off or I didn't see a doe. I was seeing small bucks. And with a three-point on one side restriction, I couldn't shoot. So I settled for the uh, antlerless deer and I got my, my doe. Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Big Valley Ford Dodge Chrysler Jeep in Ewan, Michigan. When I'm traveling around the UP, I'm surprised and not surprised by how often the vehicle in front of me has a Big Valley sticker on it. Big Valley Ford Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is located in the tiny town of Ewan on the west end of the Upper Peninsula. People from across the region buy their new and used cars and trucks from Big Valley and they drive all the way back to Ewan to get them serviced. Which reminds me, I'm probably due for an oil change myself. I'm on my fourth new Ford vehicle with over half a million miles under their tires, so I'm probably due for a tire rotation too. Big Valley is a one-stop shop for all your vehicle needs with a full service department, parts department, and body shop. 
I got caught in a hailstorm once with my last truck, and they made it look just like new. If you're looking for a new or used vehicle, go see them in Ewan or check out their inventory online at bigvalley.biz. One grand finale, the one I was hoping for in my lifetime, was the elk hunt, uh, Michigan elk hunt. And that one took a lot of work, um, preparation, finding a guide, finding a location. Uh, Joe Botese once again came through for me, hooked me up with the uh, Canada Creek Ranch down in Atlanta, Georgia, or Atlanta, Michigan, excuse me. And um, set me up with a biologist down there by the name of uh, Allie Pagel. Between Joe and them, they worked it out. Um, I could hunt the first season or the second or both until I get one. First season, when I went down, um, I stayed at the ranch overnight and went through the orientation on the 28th of August. And I was surprised when um, they announced on there, they said, how many people, uh, this 120 some people, how many people have been applying for more than 20 years? And I was shocked that there was probably 20, 30 people that stood up, sat down, and then they asked, how many people this is their first time applying for? And five of us stood up. And I was one of the Pure Michigan Hunt winners. We were booed because <laughs> they've been trying for 20 years. We tried one time, and we won. But uh, after that, then I, I looked at the weather, and the weather was in the 80s, rainy and in the 80s. And I thought, I don't want to hunt in that. Um, just because of traveling back to UP, having to put the uh, elk on ice. I mean, there was a lot of things you had to look at. And I wanted to go down like the third third one, which was in um, late August. And that one, or late August, excuse me, late September, because they hear them bugle. I heard them out west bugle. And it's kind of a funny thing. If you don't expect it, it'll scare you. But once you're expecting it, it's beautiful. I mean, you see the bulls chasing the cows and they're calling each other for mating. And I wanted to go down and just to be able to see it, you know, witness the, the bugling. But I chose not to. And some people said, you're cursing yourself. You might not get one. So I went down on the uh, 8th of um, December this month, had to do my target shooting to prove that I can shoot, and I put three in the center. And then um, we were cut loose. Uh, Mike and I went into uh, Gaylord, had a, at a restaurant named the uh, Pine Squirrel, had a beer and a sandwich, and shopped at Jay's Sporting Goods, which is a premier spot, then went back and got ready for the next day. Uh, opening day, I didn't know what to expect. How are we hunting? What do I wear? Do I layer? Do I wear heavy? And they said, most of the time we're going to be riding with a few dismounts. And I said, okay. So we did. Opening day, we got out there bright and early, sat, uh, didn't see anything. And then there's communication between all the hunters and the guides. The guides will use a two-way radio, and if they see a cow or a bull or a herd, they tell everybody, so whoever's got a cow hunter or a bull hunter can go to that site and try to set up a shot. Well, we didn't see anything, so we started moving around. About 8.30 in the morning, my son-in-law, Michael, is, hey, I see an elk on the uh, ridge over there. And I seen one. 
Well, he was looking at the first one. I was looking at the second. My guide saw a third one. So he was looking at the third one. I'm looking at the second one. And they were shooters. Oh, they had some nice racks. So I dismounted out of the truck, got my shooting stick, ranged it, and I asked, how far is that? You know, about 175 yards. And the first one was real thick with the brush. Mine, I had a window. It was on an angle, could have shot in the front shoulder. And I kept yelling at my guide, I got this, I can take him, I can shoot. And what he was looking at, he said, no, it's too thick, you'll ricochet, you'll miss, you'll wound, don't take the shot. And I yelled at him again, I can do this. And I looked, by that time, my elk moved, he had a very tall rack, and I was like, okay, you listen to your guide. So we got back to the truck, we figured we'd head him off, we walked around that ridge, his driver went to chase him back to us. Well, we didn't see him, but the driver did, and he said they were all nice shooting racks. And the one I had my sight on was bigger than the one I shot <laughs> a few days later. So we got around, we walked, uh, walked a little bit, checked on tracks, um, drove. We heard um, chatter on there about uh, cows being moved around. And I had a tag that I could shoot a cow or a bull but I didn't go down there to shoot a cow. My objective was a six by six or better uh, bull. So that day we went further, looked around, seen nothing, called it a day. Same thing on the second day, we went out bright and early, went to the gas line, sat where they said seven bulls had crossed. We sat there, nothing. And then they said, hey, there's some bull movement over by a ravine. So we went to that, we saw the footprints in the uh, snow. We followed it, found two fresh beds. It was a bull and a cow. We didn't see either animal. We walked about another half mile and then we turned around. Again, really slow, the guide kept saying, where are they, referring to the elk. And I said, hunting's, hunting's like a chess game. Or you're moving the pawns around, but you don't know where they're gonna end up. And sometimes you get lucky, right spot, right time, you get the shot. So again, the second day, nothing. And the second day, Mike had to leave. My uh, son-in-law, Mike Olson, went back because he teaches fourth grade at uh, Woodland. And uh, when he left, part of me left. Uh, like my heart just stopped. I was like, I wanted family member to be with me. And Mike, I believe, was telling the teachers the next day, he goes, you watch. I'm gone. Bob's going to shoot one. You watch. Well... On Monday, I got to ride, we went out, I saw two bulls in the morning, too far away to shoot. And uh, my guide had to leave to go back to work, he owns a business. So we met up and he goes, I, I got you in good hands. So I ended up meeting up with Ed Warren, Warrens. He's an older guy, uh, US uh, uh, Air Force veteran. He took me in, I got to sit in the front seat and the two cow hunters were in the back seat. And we traveled a little bit, showed me some new areas on the uh, property. Didn't see anything, it was running close to uh, low on gas. We took off, went off property, ate lunch, and then gassed up. And we met my former guide and his driver eating lunch. So I got to take a picture of them. He bought us lunch, he didn't tell us, so we couldn't thank him. And then also we went back in that day uh, in the early afternoon, rode around, <clears throat> didn't 
didn't see anything, saw some tracks, white tail. And then finally about uh, 4.15 in the afternoon, a guy named Lanny calls in to everybody, says, we just spotted three bulls on West Fence Road. And Ed responded, say, Lanny, is that you? Yes. Which way are they heading? They're heading west. Okay. He says, I'm taking my bull hunter and we're going to intercept him on Horse Barn Road. And Lanny goes, okay. So we drove past. He goes, my hunter's dismounted going up the ridge. So we went around. It seemed like forever. It was probably only a five-minute ride, but it seemed like forever. And uh, I was getting ready for anticipation. Hey, we might get a shot at a bull. We're going up this hill, hilly road, and right about 150 yards away was a was an elk. I couldn't see horns. I just saw a big elk. They looked like a horse in the woods. And all of a sudden, I goes, Ed, there's an elk. Okay. So he stops, leaves the vehicle run. The cow hunter's son in the back had binoculars on, and he goes, it's a, it's a cow. Well, then my heart stopped. I thought, oh, no. Then he, the head turned, and he started walking away from us. He goes, it's a bull. Well, then I gets out, racks around in my 308. Ron, or, um, Ed and I start walking up the road, the rut road. It's a single road. And Ed goes, it's probably over that little ridge there. I said, okay. So I'm walking in front of him. He's walking behind me. I got my shooting stick with. And we didn't realize that that elk walked across that road already before we could see him. Ron and his son were behind us, and Ron yells to me. He goes, hey, Bob, he's on your right. He's watching you. <laughs> so I swings my gun off to the right, and I look, and I, he was just going over that ridge. And what I saw was a huge wide rack. I said, that's a shooter. So um, Ed and I turned around, and it was slippery. Ed slid to the ground. I broke his fall. And... Uh, I asked him, I said, are you okay? He goes, yes. And I said, good, I got this, you stay here. And I started double timing up that ridge, left my shooting stick, and Ron was following me. So I gets up to the top of the ridge and Ron was right next to me and I was surprised he kept up with me. He goes, I'll go right. I said, good, I'm going left. I walks about 20 yards and I sees the elk behind the trees hiding and he starts to walk. I figured he was probably 120, 130 yards. So I put my sights on him, took the shot, and he dropped. When I fired, he fell to the ground, tried to get up, couldn't get up. Well, then Ron goes, shoot him again, shoot him again. And I'm going, he ain't going anywhere. Shoot him again. So I did. I shot again. This time I hit him in the neck and the windpipe, and he still was moving. So I fired another shot, and this time I hit him at the base of the neck, and he went down for good. So I didn't even put another round in. I just walked up to him and I looked at him and I went numb. I went numb. I've never gone numb after shooting a, a white tail, a mule deer or anything, but I went numb because the back of my mind was saying, I just filled my last Pure Michigan hunt tag and I got a trophy elk. I was just numb. I was, thanks be to God. Thank you very much. I had a dream of a lifetime come true. Well, then we started taking pictures. Took a picture of the uh, the elk lying down and holding the uh, antlers up. And then pretty soon, um, it was starting to get a little bit dark. So 
I started to field dress my elk. I can't move them until the DNR come, but I can still skin them out. So I field dressing going on, and the next thing I know, I had like 15, 20 people coming up the ridge. And one of them happened to be Allie, the wildlife biologist. And she was smiling, looking at that elk, and she came over and gave me a bear hug. She goes, you did it. I knew you could do it. You did it. Nice job. So I went back to uh, field dressing my, my elk. She grabbed the uh, knife from me and says, I can do this. You look tired. So I sat down. She put on some sleeves or glove sleeves, and she finished up the uh, field dressing. I sat there drinking water, and the old timers coming up saying, you got a nice rack. They don't get much bigger than that. That is solid. Good job. And I was like, okay. I never shot an elk before, so I don't know. So I was taking it all in. And then finally the DNR came up, asked me questions. How many shots you fired? Where'd you shoot? Was it by itself? And they did the online. And once everything was done, then they put a tag on your animal so you can move it. Well, I didn't have to move it. It was 521.8 pounds. They put it in a sled. 15 people were dragging it down and putting it on a flatbed. Then afterwards, uh, we got in another vehicle to get over to Ed's vehicle because it was on the other side of the ridge. Then we went back to the, uh, oh, excuse me. Before I did that, I called my son-in-law, Mike. Took a picture, sent it to him. I said, Mike, I got it. I got one. I got a monster. I got a six by six giant. He goes, you're breaking up. Call me later. So he got the message. And when we got back to the ranch, we looked at it. They had it already up on the buck pole. And I called my wife. I called my son-in-law, called a lot of people and told them I was blessed. I got my, my elk. And then took pictures with Ed and the uh, two cow hunters. But what a thrill of a lifetime. The hunt, uh, the hospitality at the uh, Canada Creek Ranch treated you like, they didn't treat you like a hunter. They treated you like family. They were always catering, always asking, what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And it was nice. It was a pleasant stay and a rewarding one. Was it so when you shot it, was that public land that you shot it then? It was on private, privately owned. They had like 14,000 acres. And that's why we were riding, because you never know where them elk are going to be. Elk move in herds. Sometimes they're by themselves, but they don't stay in one location. So if you're sitting, hard to see anything. Maybe whitetail. They whitetail hunt down there, too. So is that most hunters hunt private, though, or they hunt on public, too, for elk downstate? You can hunt on either or. It all depends on what unit you're assigned. I was lucky because I had all units. If I wanted to hunt in private, you have to have permission, but there's a lot of state land that has elk hunting. I'm happy where I went. I have no regrets. And I think we had uh, 16 hunters the opening day and went as high as maybe 20. Seven, seven of us got either a cow or a bull. On that ranch? On that ranch. Okay. And I think it was low, I think because the weather again, not a lot of snow, so they weren't really moving much. You almost have to drive them. And I think that's what happened with the three bulls that somebody drove them. And then one hunter got to look at them and go after them. And then I got one shot at one. I got the lucky, I got the lucky bull. 
Um, so all the hunters that get drawn for an elk tag, they'll have to go to like an orientation at first, you said? Yes. Okay. They have a choice. They can go to the early one or the late one. Depends on if they just drew a, a tag, they can draw a cow or they can draw a bull. And then they have to go to one orientation, but a lot of them only have a four-day hunt. So whatever season they get, that's what they have to hunt. So I was lucky I could decline mine till the winter hunt, and I'm glad I did. When did you hunt them? I went down on uh, December 8th, and I hunted till the 11th, and then I got mine on the 11th. Opening day was on the 9th, so I hunted three days, and I got mine. I was happy. My dream was complete. <laughs> I'm still glowing after that. I mean, it's, I always wanted to elk hunt and I never thought I'd have the opportunity to hunt in Michigan for elk. And when I won that uh, ticket, I was like, wow. And I was blessed and I made sure I took advantage of it. And um, there was some scuttlebutt from people around the, around the city that uh, they never pick a UP winner always picked from downstate and I said you can't get picked unless you enter you have to enter into it then you're drawn mm -hmm. and there was something like uh, 5,000 women out of the 77,000 that applied mm -hmm. and you could buy an unlimited amount you could spend several hundred dollars in, in raffle tickets and if you're lucky you're lucky if you're not you just made a good donation I did buy some for next year I bought four tickets so far I might buy a couple more if I had to rate them, I'd go elk, bear, fall turkey, spring turkey. Excuse me, I'd put the duck after the bear because of camaraderie. I mean, it was fun. And then my last one would be the uh, the antlerless deer. And I know I when I sent some uh, emails out that uh, to John Gray from the uh, uh, North Turkey Foundation or something from Michigan, he said they ought to give out uh, freezers for the uh, Pier Michigan hunt winners because they're going to fill it. <laughs> and I did. I was happy. I was one of the lucky ones, I guess. Being blessed with that, I mean, it's memories that'll last forever. And now I can't wait till I get uh, the mounted uh, elk back just to see what that's going to look like. I don't know if I can find a place in the house, but I'll find a place for it. <laughs> Today's Discover the UP podcast is brought to you by Hardcore Outfitters of Iron Mountain. If you are one of the lucky ones to win it, uh, start planning. Right when they draw your name, start looking for guides and where you want to hunt and who you want to hunt with. Because once it starts, uh, they're going to ask you a question, send you a packet. If you don't duck hunt and you want to give your ticket away, you can reassign it to anybody that's a Michigan resident that can hunt. Um, I chose to keep all mine because we found a bear guide. We found duck hunters. I mean, we found everybody that we could go out and hunt. But everything takes everything takes time. You got to plan it out. Know where you want to go and who you want to do it with. And I'll tell you what, I started uh, taking notes. And then once your ticket or your tags arrive, then they're assigned to you, and it's up to you to fill them. Mm -hmm. But very rewarding. I mean, I never win anything big. And to win something like this, my mouth dropped. I was glowing for, for months. I still glow a little bit. Just because I won, I mean, I wasn't bragging about it. I was just humble. 
I was thankful that, hey, my name, my ticket was drawn. Now I get to take this uh, hunt of a lifetime. It was a dream come true for me. I have no regrets. And I'm glad I was able to compete it. I'm tired, but I'm still full of energy. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Can't hunt a bull elk anymore, but I can still fill the other ones. It's a, uh, an experience of a lifetime. I learned a little bit about duck hunting, bear hunting, and elk hunting. I'm not an expert, but I would do it again. If I can't hunt in Michigan, I might try it out west. I just, I savor every moment that I get to hunt. I'm getting up there in age, and I'm still in good shape, and I love to hunt. I eat what I hunt, and I go out west usually every other year. This was supposed to be my year to go out west, but thanks to the Pure Michigan hunt, saved me, I get to go here. But maybe next year I'll go out west and mule deer again, or even try elk, I don't know yet. A lot of good experiences happen, a lot of hard work goes into it, but the rewards are there too. I mean, camaraderie when you hunt, it's always nice to have a partner. A lot of times when I hunt, I've always gone by myself. It's not the same. When you get somebody with you, you can enjoy the moment and take pride in it. Congratulations, Bob, and thanks for sharing your experience with us. I'm sure you can hear it in his voice, but Bob was all smiles when I interviewed him. He will be telling these stories for years to come. And if you want to create memories like this for yourself, the deadline to apply for the Pure Michigan Hunt is December 31st of each year. I did buy two entries, so fingers crossed, I'm just as lucky as Bob. And if any youpers out there are listening to this and draw a tag for this year, let me know. It would be great to tag along with the camera on one of your hunts for a story, especially an elk. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes of the Discover the UP podcast.